you know, the weather's kind of bad. I can kind of see, we can kind of feel the remnants of how the weather is today. Um, I also just want to tell you, I believe that we're in kind of a rebuilding time, and that's why, as my wife just talked about, our focus going toward that K through 4th. I want you also to know, I've, I've reached out to a few of you guys today. I am going, Elizabeth and I also, you don't know this, but you kind of, you, Elizabeth and I are going to be leading a small group Sunday school class at, start at 9.30 before service Sunday morning, starting at the first of the year. And this is going to be geared toward young families, young families. So single young families, married young families, families with young children, young families. And uh, I'm going to be reaching out to some of you. Those that I don't reach out to, it's only because I just don't have that great of a memory and I'm not perfect. If I don't reach out to you and you want to be a part of it, reach out to me. Part of what I'm preaching on today is coming out of the wilderness. You've got to walk out of it. You've got to make a decision to come out of where you are. And if I don't reach out to you and you want to be a part of it, reach out to me. We need you. God needs you. He's trying to reach you. It's so frustrating that once people hit 18, their percentage of getting saved drops dramatically. Why? Because we get hard-headed and we think too highly of ourselves. Burton today and Cindy in their class, their Sunday school class, you, you adults that don't, aren't in Sunday school, you're really missing something. You missed something this morning because you weren't in Greg's class. They had chocolate gravy. That's Jesus, if anything is Jesus. You're missing out, this connection, connecting to each other, hearing what we're going through and being able to, to add your testimony and to get prayed for and to get hope. I come out of his class every single Sunday morning with hope, with excitement. Um, I feel like I get challenged, but his word today was, we need to stop thinking so highly of ourselves." That wasn't exactly the way you phrased it, but that's what I took from it. The word of God tells us that we need to decrease so that he can increase. But as, as we're going into the new year, looking at our vision, now it's time we start putting the vision to, to work. It's not enough to put something on the wall. How many of you know you can say, we decide to save for 2017, but if you never save, nothing goes in the savings account. We can make a commitment to do something. I'm going to work out every day for, for 2017, but if you never go, you don't get fit. You can pray all you want. You can write down these visions all you want, but if you don't start walking, you're not going to get the results of what it is that you set forth to do. We've set a vision, now we're going to start walking. We're going to start pouring into our young people. We're going to start pouring into our young families. You older families that say, hey, what about me? You know what the Word of God says? The older people are supposed to teach the younger people. Somebody say amen. You have a role, and we need you. And I can tell you, if you look at our little staff of four people, we're like those ducks that look calm on the top, but our feet are pedaling like crazy under the water. We're getting after it. We're a small staff, and I've got the hardest working, most full of mercy and great work ethic people that, that are working. Gloria's been here longer than me, and let me tell you, no one will outwork her, except for maybe Mikey back here on sound. But we have got great people. We need you. You may say, hey, I'm an older, I'm an older, well, I'm an older family. What can I have? Start something. Start a small group. Start a Sunday school class. Let's go. Let's start discipling people. 
Amen? That was weak. Jesus' call was for us to disciple people. That is our calling. Look at this quote. I meant to show this to you last week and I forgot, I think. Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is to always try just one more time. You may be right at the end of that rope and all you need to do is try just one more time. You never know that that next time is that time of breakthrough. But I can tell you, if you don't try, you can know you're not going anywhere from there. You've got to try. The most certain way to succeed is to just try one more time. All right, let's get going here. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Normally it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barna, going by the way of Mount Seir. What are we talking about? The children of Israel have been delivered from slavery. They've been delivered from bondage. They've been delivered from the enemy. They've walked across dry land through the, through the uh, big river, have been delivered. Now they've got a pathway to their promised land. If we look at Joshua chapter 5, verse 6, it says the Israelites... Colin, can you go to the next? Thank you. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle, until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died, for they disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord vowed he would not let them enter the land he had sworn to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. I want you to realize something. God has made you a promise to give you the promised land. He has promised you that land. The problem is many of us still stand in the desert. Now, for those that will not obey, for those that will not turn, for those that will not make that decision to follow Christ, now this is Old Testament, but for those that want to stay where you are, can. You can stay in the desert. You can see that the children of Israel, they had a whole generation get left there because they would not turn. Amen? We will not stay there, church on the hill. We will not stay in the wilderness. I am not called to live my life in the wilderness. I have a promise, but I have to go and grab that promise. They had to go forward. God promised it. He promised them the victory. The land he commanded them to go into was already theirs. All they had to do was simply obey and go take it. Now, what's amazing is you'd think that the promised land is just like Willy Wonka and, you know, you walk in and there's candy everywhere and chocolate rivers and everything's fine. No, when they showed up to the promised land, there were enemies there. What's also amazing is that if you'll read the story, the enemies knew they were coming. They were scared to death of the Israelites. Can you imagine being scared to death and having to wait 40 years for your beating? They knew it was coming. But the Israelites were captive in fear. And they would not go and take the land. You remember they sent 12 spies? 10 came back and said, oh no, let's stay here and eat manna and not let our shoes wear out. And we'll just stay in the desert. And the two said, wait a minute. Does anybody realize who's with us? Does anybody remember what we just walked through? Does anybody remember what God did? That same God promised us this victory. We can take him. And look 
at the spoils. Look at the grapes. Look at the milk. Look at the harvest. I want that. But what happened? They caused an 11-day journey to last 40 years. God will never lead us somewhere where His grace cannot provide for us. God will never put us against an enemy that His power can't overcome. Never. But so many times when people walk by sight and not by faith, we fall short. Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Can you all say without faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, I want to take this a little bit farther. Who is the Word of God? Jesus. This is where our faith must come from. It can't come from anywhere else. If it comes from anywhere else, you're going to look at that enemy and tuck tail and run. We must have faith. We must be in the Word. But their failure to believe in God's Word kept them from entering the promised land. Is it God's fault they didn't enter the promised land? No. It was the people's belief Paul wrote, referring to this wilderness experience, he wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. God has warned us in his word that we have a natural tendency to want to stay in the wilderness, to be afraid to go forward. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16, I think that we looked at this last week. Um, I've lost, uh, I'm, Colin, I'm going to let you take care of it. Hebrews 3, 16. It says, who were, they, who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? Verse 18. And to whom did God swear they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that, we, that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Therefore... Since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we have also, for we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now, we who have believed enter that rest. Something that's just getting confirmed in my spirit right now is the reason why we will do this young families um, small group at Sunday school is to not stay in the wilderness, is to see that we enter into God's rest. This time of year, I don't know about you, but for me, I sometimes, uh, I was telling uh, Aaron up here on um, during wor- worship practice, I said, "Man, I'm ready for some peace." <laughs> we were we when we, when worship teams we have all these songs that we do all through the year, and then we throw in all these Christmas songs that we never do. And there's five thousand chords to the song. It's all this piano stuff that none of us are really used to playing. And you would think we're trying to read Chinese. That sounds so dumb. But Carl came sneaking sneaking in Wednesday night while we were practicing, and I mean, we were laying eggs on the stage. It was, 
it was incredibly challenging, wasn't it? I'm ready for some peace, and God has promised peace. Do you know his name is peace? He says, I am Jehovah Shalom. I am the God, your peace. Now, many of you are facing so many challenges, so many challenges that you don't even deserve. Some of them you do deserve. Anybody here facing challenges that you deserve? I face some that I deserve. I face some that I don't deserve. But do you know what God's promised me no matter what I'm facing? Peace. When I go with Him, I go in peace. When I am lacking peace, I am lacking the Lord. Anybody hear me? If we can recognize, hey, I have, a, I have an opportunity here to draw nearer. When you draw nearer, you're going to get peace. You're going to get rest. doesn't mean the challenges aren't going to be hard, but once you draw nearer to the Lord, you go into that challenge with the Lord. Do you know what he says? That nothing that we face is impossible. Nothing. Some of you are facing some impossible stuff. Not with the Lord. I don't care how bad it looks. I'm not trying to be merciless. I'm not trying to look at it in a realistic way. I'm trying to look at it in the only real way. Do you know that everything will pass, but not the Word of God? That's what I believe. Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fail. No one will fall by following their example of disobedience. So, like the Israelites in the wilderness, the Christian stands between promise and fulfillment. How many of you stand between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise? Like the Israelites in the wilderness, we've been delivered from slavery, but we have not reached that final destination and resting place. You may say, I know that the Word of God says that I'm delivered from my addiction, but I'm not. That's where you stand. You stand between the promise and the fulfillment. You remember the quote? Try one more time. Try one more time. I had incredible breakthrough with a family member this week because someone tried one more time with that family member, and at that time, it caved. I could not believe it. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. But it was one of those things where we kept ch chipping and kept chipping and kept chipping and no breakthrough. And then some random person goes and floodgates open up. Don't quit. I want to ask you, are you wandering in the wilderness? How are you handling the wilderness? Are, or are you entering into God's rest? Are you experiencing God's rest? Maybe you're still enslaved in Egypt. Do you know that those children of Israel were still enslaved in Egypt? They, the second water didn't show up. They wanted to go back. They could remember how good it was in Egypt. How was it in Egypt? Being beat. Being captive. Being slaves with no hope, no ownership, nothing. But the second challenges showed up. They wanted to be drawn right back into that captivity. Do you know that's what Satan does? Satan wants to take you from freedom 
back to captivity. He is trying to get you. He is prowling over looking for anyone that might be away from the pack. You cannot enter, you cannot enter the promised land without leaving Egypt. You can't enter in. You have to leave it behind. The Bible says that only Jesus Christ can set you free. The Israelites turned back when the road looked difficult. They failed to obey God's instructions and trust in his promises. Is there something in your life that you know God wants you to do, but you have not gone forward because of fear or lack of faith? We just read, make every effort to enter into that rest. The people of Israel wandered for 40 years. Why? Was it because of their enemies? Was it because of their circumstances or their trials? I don't think so. I think it was a wilderness mentality. I think it's all they knew. What is your mindset? You know, we can't really look at the Israelites with all this astonishment because most of us do the same thing. We go around and around the same mountain instead of making progress. It winds up taking us years to do something that should take days. I want you to hear me, church. Wilderness mindsets are wrong. We can have the right mindset that will benefit us or the wrong mindset that will hurt us and hinder us. And do you know what we do? We teach it to our kids. Do you know what you could teach them? How to come out of the wilderness. Elizabeth and, I, Elizabeth and I have been married 24 years. We've got four children, two in college, one in high school, one in middle school. Man, we're just living the dream. We really are. But I can't tell you how many times we tried to get sucked into the wilderness. And the thing is, you don't know you're there until you're completely in. And I look around and think, this is not what God promised me. And you know, we, we start walking and we don't realize we're even there. Satan, I want to, we're going to look as we continue to go into this. When the children of Israel went into the promised land, there were all these enemies there. And we're going to go into what enemies you face when you start choosing God. And one of them is compromise. One of the enemies, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the... Amalekites, one of their names mean compromise, and you don't see it coming until you've let them live in your household. And it's so easy as we're walking and we get challenged and we face these things that all of a sudden we have a cloud over us. But praise God, through a lot of pain, we recognize it. We turn back to the Lord, and every single time, He delivers us. I don't know if you know our story, but our story is a story of deliverance. Over and over and over and over. That's why we want to get in on that Sunday school class, to tell somebody, you're facing hell? 
Let's, let's keep walking. We're going to come out. And we're not going to run from you. We've been through it. You got issues with your kids? We've been there. Can I tell you what we did? Can I tell you what Burton and Cindy did? We've learned a lot from watching my brother-in-law and my sister and Burton and Cindy and families like that. We learn. Hey, I'm facing this in my marriage. Are you? Okay. Elizabeth, you remember when we went through that? Yeah. God delivered us. We've got to come out. Don't go underwater and not come back up. We can have the right mindset or the wrong one. God called the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, and he and into the land he promised to give them as their inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey and every good thing that they could imagine. That is your promise. You may say, how is that my promise? If you go and look at Hebrews and look at Galatians, you will see that the promises of Abraham are my promises. I'm not making this up. This is what God promised. I can hold him to his promise, but he's going to hold me to my part. You've got to come out of the wilderness. Paul, don't stay where you are. You've got to come out. I know you're sitting in your chair, gloss-eyed, depressed, but you've got to get up. People are talking to you. They're speaking into you. Get your word back in me. Get my word back in me. This is what the Lord, I'm talking in the third person. I'm sure I'm confusing you. But this is God speaking to me, sitting in my chair, depressed. Get up. I'm with you. Go get connected to people again. Go get around people that will speak life into your life. Get away from the people that are speaking death. Someone needs to start to address those thoughts that you're having in your mind. I, got, I went through some process. I think it was the seven decisions where it made us write down our thoughts. Was that, was that that book? And I wrote them down, and I couldn't believe what I wrote down. I didn't even believe it. Self-loathing, thinking so negatively about myself. And I'm an optimist person. I'm an optimistic person. But I had these lies. And because of friends and people that were pouring into my life, God rescued me. You know what? I was sitting in my chair thinking, this is where I am. I'm still depressed. And I thought, it's gone. And I didn't even know it. It's gone. God had just delivered me. But it took time. It took years. And man, it was a lot of pain. You can come out of this. We are not staying in the desert. I may make eye contact with you. I don't think you're in the desert. I'm just trying to. Maybe you are. It's time to come out. That's why the church is here. Can I encourage you? Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. We must get together and fight. Not with each other. <laughs> the enemy. Because he has promised us victory over that enemy. But we must get together. That is the purpose. The word of God, the spirit of God, and the body of Christ. That is the recipe for being delivered out of bondage. That is the recipe for victory. That is the recipe for breakthrough. Most of the generation that was called out of Egypt never made it to the promised land. 
Instead, they died in the desert. As I told you, I have been there. My mind was in the desert, dying in the wilderness. My wilderness mentality or wrong way of thinking was keeping me from dealing with those areas of my life that God wanted to touch and to redeem. And do you know how he did it? How Satan did it in my life is he separated me from people. He separated me from my wife. He separated me from my most trusted friends. He separated me from godly people to be able to speak into my life from my staff. And, man, I was good at it. In fact, in one of my lowest moments, I'm going to out you, Justin. He made a comment and said, man, you're doing so good. I've never seen you so on fire for God. And I thought, if you only knew. If you only knew. It was all I could do. But I had a wall up, and I could not cry out to you. Now, it's different now. We're in a different place now. But at that point, I thought, he feels that way about me. I have to continue this facade And I can't tell him what's going on in my life. And God's placed him there to help me through this. And I have I have put myself in a position where I can't get help. Now who's who's lying? I'm lying. That is not true. God's put him here. If I will just open my mouth, you know it says if you'll just confess your sin one to to another, he will he will he will forgive our sin. If if I will confess my sin one to another, he is faithful and just to forgive me of that sin. And cleanse me of all unrighteousness. But I couldn't. Again, going back to that small fam- that young family's life, life group. Thank you. Thank you. I'll close. What God did for me, he'll do for you. He doesn't love me any more than he loves you. The word of God says that if he saw you in a field, he would sell everything and buy that field just for you. That when he went to the cross for our sins, he went just for you. That's what that scripture is telling us is about that pearl of great worth. That's you. He loves you. It's time to walk out of the desert. Will you all stand up with me? We all bow your head just for a second. I just want to ask you, Art, do you have that wilderness mindset? Did you grow up in a household like that? Do you feel like you're so caught that you can't come out? I want to pray for you. And I want you to consider just saying it out loud. That I receive freedom today. It says that if, if Jesus sets you free, you're free indeed. And if you have come to Christ and given your heart to the Lord, but you have remained in the wilderness, just as you close your eyes for just a second, I just want you to say, Jesus, you have set me free. And Jesus, I ask you to break a wilderness mentality. I ask you right now to fill me with your spirit, to connect me back to people, and to walk with me as I walk out of this desert. 
Jesus, your word has said that you will not forsake us, but that you will remain with us until the end. Jesus, I receive your freedom. And I rebuke a wilderness mentality. Set me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to dismiss you in just a second, and I just want to encourage you. If you need prayer, Elizabeth and I, my deacons, my staff are here to pray with you. Do not leave in need. Do not leave in need. Just telling you, do not leave in need. I don't have every answer, but we have the Lord, and the Lord has every answer for you, and that's what we offer here. We're humans. We're fallible. But we serve a God, and I'm filled with the Spirit of God that is infallible. The potential that's in me and in this body, is immeasurable. Don't leave in need. If you have a need, I don't care what that need is. Do you know what? The Lord says, I already know what your need is, but just tell me anyway what it is. Don't leave here in need. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this church body. I thank you that people have come out here and just um, fought the elements to get here. Lord, I just ask for your spirit and your presence to just follow us, to to just fill us with that spirit, and that we would go out into this world and release that. That we would not hold this into this church body and this building, but that we would release out the spirit of God and give hope to the hurting. Lord, as those that are here that are hurting, I've just asked that they would just confess it and that, Lord, that you would help us know how to meet that need. Father, I just thank you. Just pray for families as they're going to be traveling this week. Pray for safety. I pray for restored relationships. Breakthrough. Just pray for breakthrough. Lord, I ask that we just fill this place on Christmas Eve. Rejoice about Jesus, about you coming, saving us, redeeming us, restoring us. Just bless us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.